This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back. Sportsnet Today here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Coming at you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. Of course, the news around the NHL the last 24 hours. The Canucks and Islanders hooking up for the first big deal of the 2022-2023 NHL season. And from an Islanders perspective, very happy to go down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon and welcome in Stefan Rosner is an Islanders beat reporter for uh, New York Islanders Hockey Now. And uh, he's kind of to give us some time this afternoon to uh, break this down from a New York perspective. Stefan, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? Good. You appreciate you having me. Hey, thanks for the time. Really do appreciate it. I know it's uh, a busy time here in the last uh, 24 <laughs> hours, but uh Give us some initial reaction. I know you've got a piece up at uh, nyhockeynow.com that we'll get to in just a little bit here, but can you give us some initial reaction from your side of things when this deal went down yesterday? Yeah, it was honestly a shock. You look at this Islanders team, they're two points out of the playoff spot. The Penguins hold the second wild card spot, but the Penguins have three games in hand, and then you have Buffalo in between them, a point separating the Islanders and that team, and that team also has three games in hand. So the last thing the Islanders... You know, you thought the Islanders would do would go out there and make one of those blockbuster trades, but offense was a need. If they're going to make the playoffs this year, they needed to add offense. They're averaging, you know, under two goals per game in the month of of January, which was a horrendous January for them. Four eight and three record on the year. They had two point eight five goals per game. One of I think nine or ten teams under three. So they need help offensively, especially with the power play too. Fifteen point five percent. That's second to last in the NHL. And Bo Horvat certainly brings the five-on-five goals and the power play goals, and he's a consistent goal scorer, and that's really what the Islanders need. I guess we shouldn't be surprised about the the Islanders going out and adding another center, Stefan, when we go back to the summertime and the Islanders were one of those teams that we thought were maybe circling JT Miller. Obviously here in Calgary, Mm -hmm. we heard the conversation with Nazem Kadri and perhaps the New York Islanders. Lou Lamorello has been searching for another center to add to this team for a little while now, hey? Oh, yeah, definitely. The Kadri stuff, it seemed pretty close with him. And J.T. Miller, uh, you know, it seemed like a trade was there, and it blew up on the draft floor. That's what a couple of sources told me at the draft. And then, again, back to the Kadri. But, yeah, it's interesting, too, because the Islanders have depth at center. But I think, you know, Barzal struggled mightily in the faceoff. I think he's around 35%. You can never have enough centers, too, with the way that Lou Lamarillo and Lane Lambert, you know, how the way they operate. A lot of times in games, Lambert will throw out two centers, on the ring, separating lines just to, you know, for a defensive zone draw. Now, if you have Bo Horvat next to Matt Barzell, he's going to take the face off. Bo Horvat will be the center. But again, you have two centers on that line. And centermen, you know, understand the game from a positional standpoint. So I think it bodes well for them. If you were explaining this to somebody from the outside looking in, Stefan, and said, look, the Islanders aren't in a playoff spot today. Why are they going out and making this acquisition for Bo Horvat and taking such a a big chance. What would your response be to someone saying that? 
I think it's uh, Lamarillo's last chance to give this group some type of fighting chance to go on a playoff run and make the playoffs and, and do damage. Obviously, this group's been around together for quite some time. They went to back-to-back semifinals. And, you know, you look at last year, what happened with the COVID, the injuries. You know, people looked at it. Lamarillo definitely looked at it as a one-off. And I think it showed a lot that he kept this group together through the deadline last year, through the summer. So I think this is one final hurrah this group gets to have to find a way to get in. Because you know this Islanders team, once they get into the playoffs, they've shown that anything's possible. And uh, interesting, too, that as we, we talk about this trade, and I mentioned the article that you've got up at uh, nyhockeynow.com, uh, you're not convinced that this is a, a sign that the Islanders have pushed all their chips in and are pushing for an all-in type of move just yet, hey? Why is that? Yeah, so the way that Lou Emerald was talking, he kept reiterating the fact that this trade for Horvat, obviously no extension came with it, but they're working on one, is not just about this year. It's about the future. You have a guy 27 years old in his prime, and Luke kept saying that. So to me, I think you bring on Horvat, you see what you can do. If the Islanders continue to struggle, you could probably move some other assets, like a Scott Mayfield or a Semyon Varlama. Mm-hmm. At the deadline, recoup some of your picks. You know, obviously the Islanders gave away a conditional first. Um, so I think this move is, you know, get Horvat under contract an extension. That way next year, when you retool this team in the off season, you have a, I mean, Bo Horvat adding him to the lineup makes this team much deeper and in a better position. So I think unless the Islanders now, we see Vlad Murillo go and get a, you know, try to get a Timo Meyer or Vladimir Tarasenko because this Islanders team still has holes. And I don't think even Horvat, as good of a player as he is, makes Rufine a, a cup contender. So I think there's definitely more work to be done. And if Lou does that and goes and gets another score and gets a depth defenseman, now we're talking. But for right now, I have to see a little bit more to, to know that, okay, they're going to go for it. As a lot of people that I've seen, including yourself, have mentioned that cover the Islanders, uh, it's got to be a, an interesting feeling today for Matt Barzell because on yeah. one hand, they bring in probably the most skilled forward that he's had during his time uh, on the island, but at the same time, as a lot of pointed uh, I've pointed out, uh, Stefan, you know, out goes Anthony Bavillier, somebody that Matt Barzell has a very close relationship to, and it's one of those ones where the the reality of this being a business sort of creeps in, and that's gonna be a, a tough turnaround for him. Yeah, I'm there. They are best of friends, and uh, we spoke to Bavillier this morning, and I asked Bo. I said, you know. What was it like playing alongside Matt Barzell? These two were drafted together in the first round in, in, in 2015. They developed together. They didn't plan a line too much together with the Islanders, but best friends on and off the ice. And it turns out they actually met at a 2012 All-Canadian Mentorship Camp, and they played you know, Team Canada under-18 development camp together. So they've been friends way before their NHL career started. And, and Bo pretty much said uh, he'll be friends with him for life. He enjoyed every second of it. And, and we go back to the, the real moment I realized how close they were is when Matt Barzal signed his extension at the beginning of the year. You know, we, I asked Bovier, like, I knew they had a history, and I said, you know, what was it like? And he said, Matt called me, and it, he was emotionally crying and hysterical on the phone, and I was just so proud of him. So they definitely have a special bond. That's not going to end, but you have to think, yeah, how much does that weigh in a player like Matt Barzal? Matt jokingly texted Bovier this morning because Matt is from Vancouver and said that if Bovier needed a place to crash, he could probably sleep on his in, in his bed. So <laughs> at a childhood home. So, uh, yeah, definitely close guys. It's a part of it's a part of the business. It's unfortunate it stinks, but at the very least, they've been best friends. They grew together. They played in the NHL together. And who knows if they'll ever get a chance, you know, to play again again. 
Uh, for lots of our listeners here in Calgary, obviously very familiar with the the Canucks and what's happening in Vancouver. If you could give us a bit of a scouting report on the uh, the one NHL piece right now that's going to the Vancouver Canucks. What have you made of, of Anthony Bavilli and his time, and what uh, are the Canucks getting in him? Yeah, so you're getting a player with raw speed and somebody who creates chances. Now his biggest issue is bearing those chances, and I think over the last couple of years when he started to you know show signs of, okay, can he, can he be a consistent NHL player? Can he not? Is that it was probably a mental game for him. Under, under Barry Trice last year, he was a healthy scratch. Um, at times, he, you know, he wasn't finishing. He got tried on every line, including the fourth line. This year, he was also healthy scratch once and just never clicked. He couldn't find that finishing touch. And I think the best thing for him is a change of scenery. That's why I think the Canucks are getting, you're getting a top nine forward for sure. The pressure will be off him. I know the organization is going in a different direction than what the Islanders might be going in. Maybe there's some pressure off there. But yeah, he, he creates chances that in the in the month of January, he had the most shots on goal by any Islander. He just had one goal though. That was the issue. So I think finding a way to just mentally get over that hurdle. Once he scores goals, he's a streaky player. I think it just happens has to happen once and we'll see what happens. But um definitely raw speed and something that and should be excited about because he brings it all each night and you'll see him flying around there every shift. Ideally, what do you think's left for the New York Islanders if Lou Lamarillo does see that bump in the next couple of weeks and they remain, you know, in the playoff picture or maybe in a wild card spot by the trade deadline. If there was more adding to do for this group, Stefan, where do you think it would be? Yeah, it, it all depends on health as, as well. Right now, the Islanders sure. are doing with Dobson who missed the last two games. Um, Cal Clutterbuck is out indefinitely. Oliver Wallstrom is out indefinitely. Huntsman Fashion, who's burst on the scene at, at 27 after being a career teller. He's injured as well. So I think that, that plays a part, but I, I think they have to go and get another top six forward. I really do. I mean, like I said, Bo Horvat's going to help this offense, but it's one guy can't carry the workload or four or five guys not doing that. So I think, you know, Timo Meyer, given the, the assets the Islanders just gave up, obviously their top prospect in Atu Rossi, who I'll touch on in a second, because he's going to be a bright player for the Canucks. But I think, I think Vladimir Tarasenko makes a whole lot of sense. Obviously, Tarasenko is likely not to resign, but he might wait till the offseason to pick where he wants to go. But I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Rutherford out of the Athletic reported that in his no-movement clause, one of the teams that he would go to was the New York Islanders. Now, I know that that could change, and the list changes, so we'll see. But if, if there's a situation there where Luke could definitely get that, he's not going to cost as much given his, his injury histories. So I think if the Islanders could do that and have a top line of Vladimir Tarasenko, Bobo Horvath, and Matthew Barzell, now you're talking. Uh, and you mentioned it there. Let's uh, let's dive into uh, Atu Ratu, a guy that was, you know, I, I think some thought a few years ago was looking at a guy that could be potentially in a top half of the first round type of guy. He falls to the Islanders, fifty uh, second overall, I believe, in the draft. But you know, still a guy with yeah. a lot of high end potential there, uh, and that could potentially be a key part of this deal going forward, eh? Yeah, you look at him, he played uh, 12 games for the New York Islanders. He had two goals, two pretty beautiful goals where he cussed the slot, let his elite shot go. He's got an active stick. He's a strong four-checker, strong defender. The thing that stood out to me was that at such a young age, he's 20, at such a young age, he knew where to be at every second of the ice. And I was talking to uh, Islanders' Matt Martin about that, and he goes, it's, it's shocking that you don't have to tell him where to be at all. You know, we can give tips and pointers to veterans, but he's right where he has to be. He's a confident player. Great in the faceoff dot. I see him as being on a, definitely a number two center in this league, and again, a piece that would definitely help the Canucks as they move forward and try to rebuild their organization. 
So 52 games in for the New York Islanders, uh, sitting at 55 points. They're right in that that race in the Eastern Conference. They're a few points back at Pittsburgh, but they've got teams like Buffalo and Florida in the mix here. We know how hard it can be late in the season for teams to to climb up the standing, Stefan. But if you were the the Islanders, how would you be feeling today about your chances when it comes to to potentially making it and getting into the postseason? Well, you look at the – to go into the break with back-to-back wins was critical, especially one of them over the Vancouver Canucks. And you look at then you had Horvath. So now you would think that the confidence is, is rather high, but it's going to come down to, okay, Lamarillo hadn't gotten this team one of those elite guys. Now he gets that player. Can the Islanders at that locker room wake up? The biggest issue this year has been playing a full 60 minutes. And I know, you know, it's very hard for a team to play a full 60, but they were blowing leads left and right, which is not something they did under Barry Trotz. So – I think if you're if you're the Islanders, you're definitely hopeful because you're adding an elite talent. But that just means that other players on the team have to realize, okay, Lamarillo is not quitting on us this year. We can't quit on ourselves, which we never thought they would do. But at the same time, certain players have to step up in order for this team to make a run because, again, Horvath can't do it himself. Yeah, it feels like it kind of raises the bar for, for an Islanders team and maybe raises sure. the, the pressure up a bit for this group because, let's be honest, it feels like now – whether this is a year-to-year play or whether it is a long-term pitch like you've mentioned, not making the playoffs this year and going out and making that kind of acquisition would be a tough pill for a lot of people following the Islanders to swallow. Yeah, and I, I think you look at it too, and Lou is pretty smart with making this pick conditional. I think the, it's a safety net for him. If they do extend Horvath again, this trade only works if Horvath's extended unless you know the Islanders fall out of it and you flip Horvath at the deadline. We saw that with Thomas Vanek a couple of years ago. but. You look at it as, um, you know, Horvath's going to have to come through, but if they miss the playoffs and they get a lottery pick, the Islanders get to keep that, which which becomes critical because Luke thought, okay, either Horvath helps us make the playoffs or nothing changes. We get that pick, and now Vancouver gets next year's um, first-round pick. So I think that was pretty smart on his part, which is why I don't think it would be as painful if the Islanders missed the playoffs. And also, too, the Islanders have a, a couple of frees and getting ready to walk out the door likely where he can move them at the deadline, get the picks back for that, maybe flip some of those picks to go to Tarasenko or Maya or whoever else at the deadline. So I think what Lamarillo did here was pretty smart to help himself if the Islanders don't turn things around. Last one for you, or last couple ones for you here, Stefan. Really do appreciate the time. Yeah. Um, I'm curious how things, and you've mentioned it uh, in this conversation, the, the Islanders and their depth at center. Uh, I'm curious how you see this working out for, for Lane Lambert. Do you see... Uh, a situation where perhaps we see Matt Barzell move to the wing so that he can be on a line with Bo Horvat. Do you, how do you kind of see this all working out? Because as you've mentioned, center ice depth is something that they've had and something that they've had to sort of move around to make the pieces work on the wings. Yeah, if you had asked me last summer, I would have told you it would make a lot of sense to separate Barzell and a Horvat. Maybe you put Brock Nelson on Barzell's wing. Nelson's played wing in the past, but with Kyle Palmieri coming back this last week before the break. He's been on fire with Andrews Lee and Brock Nelson. That line is combined for six of the Islanders' last seven goals. So I don't think Lambert can touch that. I think Bo Horvath will definitely play alongside Barzal. He'll move Barzal to the wing. Barzal struggled mightily in the faceoff guy. I think he's around 35%. And obviously Horvath's very good at faceoff. And I think Barzal can do well on the wing. He's played it a little bit this season at times. Leading Lambert would throw Nelson and Barzal out at the same time. But, yeah, I don't think there's any question right now. It'll be Horvath and Barzal. The question becomes, does Lambert separate Palmieri 
and put him on that wing? Because that would be a perfect fit. Or does, does Lou go and get a guy? Or does Simon Holmstrom start there? Is there a rotation there? Who knows? But right now, I mean, yeah, like you said, the Islanders have the center depth to make this work and move a guy to the wing. And it's going to be all about can Barzell play the wing. And I think we'll find out pretty quickly that he can. And, of course, if the results start to fall, people, you know, will understand, okay, this is the right move. Uh, last one for you, and it's a very future-looking question, but with so many of their forwards locked up, so many of the defensemen locked up, is it possible that this summer for, for Lou Lamorello and the Islanders, their big focus is perhaps getting pen to paper on Ilya Sorokin to sign an extension uh, a year out from him becoming a UFA and sort of locking down that last part of their lineup? Yeah, if the honors, if the honors are not going to retool or go for it and they go for a complete utter rebuild, which again, if they sign Horvath, they're not going to do then Keeping Sorokin obviously wouldn't make a lot of sense because he's going to ruin your rebuild because he's going to steal your games. But we know that that's not going to be the case. Sorokin clearly is an elite net miner in this league, top one or two in the league, an all-star. I think there's no question they have to get that done as soon as possible. Um, now, I don't know. You know, Luke, Luke keeps a lot of things under wrap. There could already be an agreement for an extension, and we'll find out in a year about it. Yeah, your top priority becomes, you know, moving some cap space, um, like a Josh Bailey or, or other players and getting assets back. But, yeah, you have to prioritize goaltending because we know in this league, goaltending matters, and especially with Semyon Varlamov potentially out the door. Who knows if he'll, if he'll take a, a, a pay cut to come back to the Islanders. But, you know, Sorokin's going to be your guy and have to be your guy if you're going to win hockey games and locking him up at, at, at a term that, you know, the Islanders agree is fair. The guy, you know, he's turning, he just turned 29 this year. So he's in his prime, but he's not getting any younger. You got to, you got to make that move as soon as you can. Uh, Stefan, great stuff, man. Uh, always appreciate the time. Where can people find you for more on the uh, Islanders? Yeah, on Twitter, you can follow me at Stefan underscore Roser. That's S-T-E-F-E-N underscore R-O-S-N-E-R. And you could find my work at nyihockeynow.com. Stefan, really appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. We'll uh, chat with you again down the road, hey? Sounds good. Appreciate it. Take care. Stefan Rosner joining us down the Alice Beaton Sports Bar guest hotline for a look at the New York Islanders side of things following their blockbuster trade yesterday with the Vancouver Canucks and uh, Bo Horvat and the Islanders uh, announcing he's going to wear number 14 uh, for New York. And uh, funny enough how that NHL schedule works. Uh, don't look too far down the road uh, into next week. Uh, post All-Star break and you'll see the New York Islanders taking on Bo Horvat's now former team, the Vancouver Canucks, in what should be a, uh, a pretty emotional game for the Former Canucks captain as he uh, goes up against his his former team. Um, now, of course, it's going to have to wait until, uh, I believe, next season before he makes a, a return to Vancouver, if he's with the Islanders, that is. Um, but funny how it works out that uh, Thursday, February 9th, uh, in New York, uh, the Canucks in town to take on uh, the New York Islanders. And uh, it's going to be an uphill push. It's a risky move for the Islanders in all of this. Like I said, they're right in the middle of that playoff race. It's it's going to be hard for them to to knock at least two or three teams out of their way to get into that last wild card spot. But you're much better off today with Bo Horvat there and moving Matt Barzell to the wing. Uh, as Stefan said, there gives them a little bit more offensive punch for a team that's never been lacking defensively and in net. They've always been strong there, but whether they could get the proper offense to back that up. Perhaps a guy having his uh, best career season goal-scoring-wise uh, in Bo Horvat is going to help them. I uh, did mention as well today that the uh, NHL not officially on all-star break until Thursday, 
Flames have been off since Friday, but there is uh, three games of NHL action uh, for you tonight, including the Kings and the Hurricanes across the Sportsnet television network. That one goes at 5 o'clock. That's a great matchup uh, between two teams currently in playoff positioning. All-Canadian matchup when the Sens take on the Habs. That one also at 5. And you've got the Capitals taking on the lowly Columbus Blue Jackets in Columbus uh, as a couple of teams finish off their schedule ahead of the All-Star break. But Kings and Hurricanes available for your viewing pleasure on the Sportsnet TV side of things. And uh, the LA Kings have been in the rumor mill as well the last couple of days. Um, mentioning Thatcher Demko as a potential option for them. You heard Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman uh, bring up the Kings when talking about Thatcher Demko. You've also heard Jake McCabe's name out of Chicago as potentially being an option for L.A. if they want to go out and make a move. They've been around Jacob Chikrin for a very long time and uh, since he really asked for a trade out of Arizona, but that trade hasn't happened, and it seems as though the Coyotes are holding very strong on what their ask is. No one's been willing to pay it yet. Does that change ahead of the trade deadline, or does it force a team like L.A. who wants to add a defenseman to go somewhere else, and maybe that defenseman is Jake McCabe. But uh, as we get closer to the trade deadline now, maybe things are starting to open up with the uh, the Horvat trade to the New York Islanders. Yesterday, we will wait and see. We'll take a break, come back on the other side. We'll close out hour two on the program here with a look back at a massive trade that the Calgary Flames made 13 years ago today. We'll dive into the anniversary of the Matt Stajan and Dion Phaneuf trade next. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to the program. Hour two rolling on here. Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor, outstanding production team in the other room. Living the dream out here. Along with uh, a couple of our fine engineers. Matt and Evan. Say hi, Evan. Hi. That was Evan. Evan is uh, currently installing something that is above my pay grade. We're getting some upgrades in the studio today. Yeah, you can call it that, maybe. Just changes happening? Left and right. My foot massagers came in. Nah, I don't think you get that. I don't think that was a approved. nice Life space heater. No, no, we're not getting any of that. A Blankets. humidifier. Okay, Cam already is yawning every four seconds. Instant the last thing I machine. need is for him to get a blanket and a snack pillow over there. Snack machine, little snack bar. I'd be happy with a snack machine. I think we're just putting out our requests now. Yeah, none of them. We have no, we have money for none of them. None of these things are going to ever possibly come up, but we can dream. Positive thinking, laws of assumption, yeah, I mean, manifestation, te- all of that Technical upgrades that need to happen that keep us on air, like what the, the fine gentlemen are doing right now. Yeah, that's going to happen. But as far as our personal requests... We put what we want into the universe, it. and it shows up. Right. Keep this... I don't know what universe you're living producers in. producers happy. Uh, that's a different company. You, you are confused. Great show, everyone. It was my last show, everyone. Thanks. Thank you. Nice knowing you, bud. Yeah, it's great. Great knowing you guys. Um, beer league games coming up. If you haven't heard, I'm so excited. Well, you're on the uh, you're on the PA. 
You got to get your uh Yeah, oh my god, I get to PA practice voice. my PA voice. We should have Beasley call you and give you some tips. I think I'll need them, actually. I've never PA'd before. Do you know all of the rules of hockey and when you'll need to, to I PA? will have a nice little book with me, and if I'm ever confused, either I'll go to the book or I'll ask Croner. And Cron's on the ice. Cron won't be able to help you. He's not going between the blue lines. I'll just yell at him. Yeah, but you might be up. Yeah. Like You're probably going to be up with the guys. We're just going to get a text in our group chat that just says, what am I supposed to do? Yeah, yeah I'm going to text you guys at like so five minutes camp. before. Like, what is icing? Count like Six and a half minutes remaining in the first period. Six and a half minutes. The guys are like, what? No, no, Cam, one minute remaining. One There minute. are four minutes remaining in the third period. Yeah, you can't have any of that. But uh, if you check out uh, Sportsnet 960 on socials, where do we put it, Taylor? Just Twitter and Instagram, or do we put it on Facebook we as well? We also put it on Facebook. All, all of, of the, the socials, social medias. All of them. Except for TikTok. We haven't... But, uh, that, we, need, uh, we need host buy-in for TikTok, and we've been a little slow on that. Uh, but if you uh, want to head to our socials, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Sportsnet960, you can see a preview of uh, the fantastic jerseys that Tuxedo Source for Sports has provided for the Lushes and the Whalers ahead of our beer league game coming up Thursday evening from Windsport Arena, uh, Wild Rose Brewery, Tuxedo Source for Sports putting this one on. We've been talking about it for weeks. The day is almost here. The boss is flying in. He's coming in today, getting set for the game on Thursday. The Lushes and the Whalers. Why don't you come out? We've got prizes, intermission games. Cam, Taylor. We'll be there. Taylor will be doing social media. If you want to find yourself on a, on a camera, Taylor will be there. will be in your face. Can I leak the prizes no. that we have? No. Those have to be surprises, Cam. All right. Surprise prizes that totally aren't going to be terrible. The prizes are awesome, actually. They're actually really nice. I was impressed when I got the I'm, I think we're stoked about the intermission game prizes. We've got trophies and medals that the Lushes are going to look great in. Um, you know, we've got everything planned out for their championship victory coming up on Thursday. So come on out. Support us. Support the teams. Uh, you can meet the team. Everyone's going to be there. Russick and Rose from the morning show. Uh, I'll be there between the benches interviewing coaches, players, and probably Brent Cron at some point and Paul Cruz or our celebrity referees. It's going to be a fantastic evening. And you're thinking, ah, it's just it's just family and friends. No, we got intermission games. we got prizes. we got everything. Uh, so come out and hang out with us at the Windsport Arena. Doors open at 6. Puck drop is at 7. Flames are off. There's no Hitman. The Hitman game goes tomorrow night against the uh, Regina Pats. So you'll be looking for something to fill your Thursday evening with. Uh, why don't you come down to the Wind Sport Event Center and uh, join us for the annual Sportsnet 960 Beer League broadcast where the Lushes will no doubt uh, make us proud here in the afternoons by crushing the Whalers. And like I said, special preview of the uh, awesome jerseys that we have for this event on our socials at Sportsnet 960, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, no Flames hockey today, but today is a special uh, anniversary for Flames fans. Today, the 13-year anniversary of a trade between the Calgary Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
the Matt Stajan and Dion Phaneuf trade, as it was known for uh, many for uh, a lot of reasons, because those wound up being the two main proponents in both sides of the deal. There were other players, of course, involved. Coming back to the Calgary Flames, you had Jamal Mayers, Nick Hagman, Ian White, all of them, you know, Flames for a short period of time, but not nearly the uh, longevity or impact that Stajan had. Obviously, Dion Phaneuf uh, went on to captain the Maple Leafs. He was over 400 games in the blue and white. Uh, he went with Keith Ollie and Freddie Shustrom. Uh, and it's a trade that a lot of Flames fans look back on and wonder what could have been, have reaction to, still to this day, 13 years later. And um, a couple years ago, on the 10-year anniversary of the deal, uh, former Maple Leafs GM Brian Burke, who orchestrated it from a Toronto point of view, uh, joined our sister station Sportsnet 590 uh, in Toronto to sort of rehash how it all went down from a Maple Leaf point of view. So here's uh, here's Berkey back on revisiting the FNUF and a bit on the J.S. Shigera acquisition uh, they made that year as well, 10 years from the date. Because Friday marks the 10th anniversary, January 31st, 2010, of two massive deals made or consummated ultimately on the same day. You as general manager of the Maple Leafs acquired Dion Phaneuf from Calgary and J.S. Shiger from Anaheim. I remember being in a pub. I, I want to say it was a Sunday. I could be wrong. Being in a pub, having brunch with some family, and it came across the ticker, Leafs get Phaneuf, and then not long after, Leafs get Jaguar, and it was like a holy crap moment or two and a holy crap day. How did that all come together? It was a Sunday because Daryl Sutter was the GM in Calgary, and he asked to do it in, on Sunday. He said he had to meet with his owners and explain the deal to them, and uh, he wanted to do it on Sunday. And I said, Daryl, uh, Saturday is Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, all seven players in that deal played on Saturday night, including uh, uh, Ollie, Keith Ollie, who played in Abbotsford that night in the American League. And, uh, and Daryl said, I'll, I'll make the deal. I didn't see. In other words, no matter who gets hurt, we'll make this deal on Sunday. So we played that night, and we watched because uh, Matt Stage was in that deal, Nick Hagman, Jamal Mayers, and I want to say Ian White. And um, all four of them played, got through healthy. Then Calgary played. Dion stayed healthy, and uh, Schuston stayed healthy. And then Keith Ollie stayed healthy in the, in the late game in Abbotsford. So we did the deal on, on Sunday. When you trade or do like when a team trades a big name guy or they acquire someone, do all general managers have to go to ownership or the board to bring them in? Well, basically, if you're talking about a big player, you're not asking permission from the owner, but you'd be foolish not to keep him or her informed, right? Like I can't imagine calling up the Samuelis and saying, Hey, I didn't tip you off about this, but I just traded for this guy. It, it, it's not a good way to do business. So, especially if you need budget approval. So, you know, Richard Petty was my boss here. He's a great boss. He would deal with ownership more than I would. I just tell him, you know, keep him in the loop. This is what we got going. But this was a deal where I had asked for Dion. Uh, I really loved Dion as a player. I, I thought he was a fabulous player and I still really enjoyed having him here. And, um, I had asked Daryl Sutter about, about Dion, and he said, uh, no, I'm not moving him. And then, like, four days later, I was talking to Bob Murray from Anaheim, and he said, are you in on Phaneuf? And I said, well, Phaneuf's not in play. And he said, yeah, he is. Daryl just offered him to me. So I called Daryl back, and I was 
swearing at him. And I said, I thought you said he wasn't available. And he said, well, I was going to, I was going to call you. Don't worry about it. He said, uh, but, and then we started working on the deal. And how did the Anaheim portion, J.S. Shiger for Tosca and Blake, how did that come to be? And obviously there would have been some concurrent conversations going on. Yeah, that one was more, um, I was trying to shake up the, the team, you know, like I did not like the team I inherited here. And, and Ziggy knows this. Sometimes a GM really likes the team and sometimes the GM can't stand the team. And it's not always whether they're in first place or not. I felt when I got here, we had a lot, we had too many euros, too many big contracts, too many, no move, no trades, and just a sense of entitlement. And I, and I did not like the group I inherited. And just moving them out a piece at a time, it took longer than I thought it would take. So um, that deal there, I felt when I first got here, I asked Ron Wilson, do we need a goalie? He said, no, Tosco is good enough. And he had had him in San Jose, and he, and he really believed that. It wasn't just obviously he was wrong. But that's why we got Shiger. I couldn't stand watching Dessa Tosco play anymore. <laughs> Brian Burke. Former president of the Hockey Ops for the Calgary Flames, former Maple Leafs GM, never short on words, and uh, very to the point on Vesatoskala and his time in Toronto at the end there, but also uh, lots on how the deal came together with former Flames GM and now back at head coach uh, Daryl Sutter on the 13-year anniversary of the Dion Phaneuf for Matt Stage and trade. And we'll uh, we'll bring in the text line for this one, of course, nine six zero nine six zero. The fan feedback line always open to you. Do you remember where you were when that trade went down? How do you look back on that trade for the Calgary Flames? It was a massive, massive trade at the time. Dion Phaneuf, I remember it had only been a couple weeks ago, but prior to that trade, I remember Dion and Brent Sutter had a pretty heated argument on the bench and people started to wonder perhaps what the future of, of Dion Phaneuf was with the Calgary flames. I still maintain that Dion's best years of his career came as a member of the Calgary flames. Yes. He went on to captain Toronto, but I don't think he ever reached the, the same level of success that he had in Calgary. And he was a flame for, you know, parts of five seasons. But he hit the 60-point mark in, in 07-08, 50 in 06-07. Never really came all that close to those. Two. He had one year in Toronto where the offense came a bit more. 44 points in 11-12 with the Leafs. He would go on to a couple of playoff series. One in Toronto. An extended one with the Sens in 16-17 and uh, again back in L.A. Uh, for a couple of uh, stints at the end of his career. But, you know, Dion was a, a force during the early years of his Calgary career. 20 goals his first season, 17, 17, 11. Put up points, put up penalty minutes. He was a force for this team and... Along the way, it just didn't look like it was going to work out for whatever reason. And boom, this massive trade with the Toronto Maple Leafs that brings in Stajan, White, Hagman, and Mayer. 
none of them except for Stajan were really long-term flames. Ian White, 27 games of the season that he was acquired. Just 16 the next year before the trade that sent him to Carolina for Tom Kostopoulos and Anton Babchuk. The trade tree for this one is something to, to check out. Hagman, 27 games for the Flames after the trade, 71 the next year, and then just eight the previous in his third season. And he would wind up being claimed off of waivers by the Ducks in November of 2011. Never really found that scoring touch that he had at times with the Maple Leafs. For a while there, it looked like Nick Hagman was going to be a pretty consistent 20-goal guy. 17 with Dallas, 27 with Dallas, 22 with Dallas, 20 for uh, the Leafs. Just 5-11-1 over his parts of three seasons with the Flames. And, of course, Jamal Mayers was a quick uh, one-and-done with the Calgary Flames that season. He didn't re-sign with the team uh, and went on to play a couple more years in the league, San Jose and uh, in Chicago. So... Uh, yeah, interesting to uh, to look back on it. Nine six zero nine six zero. Some of the texts about you know the thirteen year anniversary of one of the biggest trades in Calgary Flames history, probably surpassed by some of the trades the last couple of seasons, especially this off season by the Calgary Flames, but still one that I know a lot of people in this city talk about and look back on, and one that probably defined a lot of Daryl Sutter's tenure as GM. Did he get enough back for? for Dion Phaneuf at the time. A young defenseman who could score, who could hit, who went on to be a, a captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Obviously, Stajan was a long-term piece of the Calgary Flames, who you know is still here and has still been a great member of the community. But I think the hope probably would have been that Matt had come in to be a a number one, maybe even a number two center for the Calgary Flames, and that never really materialized. Became more of a bottom six player during his time in Calgary. Still a really important piece of the of the leadership group and led this team, I think, in a lot of ways, or helped lead this team in a lot of ways through some tough years. But I, I think it's fair to look back at that trade by Daryl Sutter and say, I, I don't know if the Flames did enough or if that trade... I don't know if that trade really worked out for either team as well as they would have hoped. Right? There were a lot of pieces there, but I, I, at the end of the day, did either team really come out of that and say, yeah, we're, we're way better off because we made this trade? I don't know. Uh, a couple of texts at 960-960. This text says, Dion ruined his career with his off-ice and, and locker room antics. So sad. Uh, what a waste and what could have been in Calgary. Uh, this texture says, I actually really like Nick Hagman. I, at the time, I was really excited about Nick Hagman. I thought Nick Hagman was going to be a big part of that deal for the Calgary Flames at the time. But his scoring touch just, for whatever reason, really fell off. Now, he went to play a couple years in the Swiss League and the KHL after. But I just don't know if we're talking about an anomaly for a couple years when he was with the Stars. And then with the Leafs, when he hit those 20-goal totals. But just with Calgary, it was just such a struggle for for Nick Hagman. And he could have been a really important top six piece. 
uh, it just never, it just never worked here. And I was excited with that texture. I was excited for Hagman to be there too. Uh, this one says Sutter was a horrible GM, but his record as a coach uh, is undeniable. Uh, this one says prime example of why Sutter should never be GM uh, again. Trades like this. Um, yes, there's lots of texts about you know things that have never been officially talked about by either side. That I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to spread rumors about anything. Uh, it's purely about the hockey side of things and how it could have, you know, it changed a lot of direction for both franchises and all of this. Uh, this one says uh, somewhere there's a hockey news cover with Dion and Crosby and Ovi. And I believe the caption was next in line. Best years were definitely in Calgary to be put in that group. That comes from Austin in Red Deer. This one says, I actually think of the younger uh, Sutter brother was the issue for Dion when it came to his coaching. Yes. Brent Sutter was, uh, the coach that year when Dion did get traded eventually to the Toronto Maple Leafs. And as I mentioned, there was an incident really only a couple weeks before the trade happened uh, that Dion and Brent got into a really heated argument on the bench. And it kind of brought forward a lot of people going, yeah, I don't know that this is such a good fit. And, you know, as far as things went, it was Dion's kind of most lackluster year as a Calgary flame to that point was still an important piece, still a young blossoming defender at that time, but nowhere near what he was. And as it turned out to be, this was definitely, you know, one of those things where you could tell the end was near for Dion Phaneuf and, um, tough, but yeah, uh, I think a lot of people, it's funny. You still see on the Phaneuf jerseys, at at Flames games, and I remember back in 2007, the excitement around this time when Mika Kiprasov and Dion Phaneuf represented the Western Conference in the playoff in the uh, All Star game, and the Flames were sitting there thinking, "We are really set. We've got Jerome Ginla here now. We've picked up a young defenseman. Kipper's in net. Regeer was there at one time." Bowmeister joined the fray at one time, and uh, it all changed as uh, as it did with that trade. So yeah, 13 years ago today, uh, the infamous Dion Phaneuf and Matt Stajan trade uh, went down, and uh, you heard from Brian Burke there as the uh, process began, and uh, Dion uh, would go on to captain the Leafs and spend uh, a couple years with different teams, Stajan remained aflame, and still in Calgary to this day, as you know, is now an assistant coach with the Calgary Hitman. Uh, mentioned this talking at the beginning of this. The uh, I, I was going to keep this a surprise, but I guess the morning show doesn't believe in surprises, guys. They spoiled it. They spoiled it. I thought the prizes were supposed to be... Or I thought the get, uh, prizes, excuse me, were supposed to be surprises. But the morning show doesn't believe in that sort of thing, I guess. Well, if they can do it. We can. They're no fun. No, they just, they just they want to ruin everything. That's fine. It's fine. We've got the Lushes. Uh, we're ready to go for the game. But, yeah, so as I was saying, we want listeners, we want people to come out to Thursday to uh, to watch the game at Winsport. And, of course, part of that's going to be if you're not friends or family with the Lushes or the Whalers, like, ah, what are we going to do? We'll come out because, first of all, the 960 crew is going to be there. We're going to have a ton of fun. 
and we're going to do a bunch of special things. But uh, part of it is we've wrangled up some prizes for intermission games that we're going to have. And uh, I think these are pretty sweet prizes. So uh, we've got a Flames jersey up for grabs. That's a pretty good one. I think that's a popular one in this city. Right? Absolutely. We're happy with that. Uh, can I interest you in a pair of tickets to Blink-182 coming to Sounds the Dome? Sounds like a good time. On June 30th. Yeah, I think that's going to be a good one. And Windsport Event Center has kindly provided us with a pair of tickets uh, for Dean Brody coming up in March. Get your country on. So a little bit of everything there. Flames fan looking for a new jersey? Come on out, spend the evening with us, participate in the intermission games. You could win a Flames jersey. Didn't get your tickets to Blink-182? Come on out Thursday. I don't know what the intermission games are yet and what role Cam will no doubt play in setting them up. Some lovely announcing throughout the whole thing. Bubble hockey or anything like that. <laughs> be something weird. It'll be something fun, though. So if you're, uh, if you're on the fence about coming, you want to be like, ah, I want to know what the prizes are, the morning show ruined it for everybody. So it won't be a surprise. So come on out. Flames jersey up for grabs, Blink-182 tickets up for grabs, Dean Brody tickets up for grabs, and you'll get to watch some, I don't know what level of hockey we'll consider this. The Lushes will be great. Like Bantam? It's higher More than Bantam. Higher? It's higher than Bantam, I hope. I was going to say Junior B. No, I don't know, but yeah. Maybe for the Whalers, I don't know. I mean, oh, yeah, the, the yeah. Lushes are Bush like... Bush League, Bush League. Bushes are like semi-pro as far as I've heard, like... The Lushes are going to be... The Lushes are on the Calgary Flame level. Yeah. like I was like Last time we checked, Daryl was going to come out and start checking out some of these guys. They're veterans. The scouting report's coming so out. So Daryl's loving it. And just, you know, checking out some perhaps some professional tryout contracts for the Lushes. So we know where they're going to be. Where the other team comes in, I'm not sure. Uh, you know, we're a little bit worried that there's going to be too much of a skill gap in this. But it could be fun. Right? Sometimes blowouts are fun. I know we'll have fun. It's going to be so entertaining, the amount of goals. The Lushes are going to score some really insane, like, highlight reel goals. That's what you want. The the Michigans, all that sort of thing. That's what the Lushes are going to provide. Maybe a little goalie goal. 100%. Maybe a goalie fight. No fights. Some scraps. I don't think we should get scraps. We'll do a Michigan counter. We don't want to be like that. We want, but do we want They're going to win on the scoreboard. We don't want to win on. You win on the ice. But I feel like we cuffs. do want another goalie fight in Calgary. You know, we, we had one a couple of years ago with Smith and Talbot, yeah, but, see, but we I have, think we need another one. But we have proper referees in the NHL to deal with these sort of things. We, we don't have proper... You have to understand that the, the people policing this game are not going to do a very good job of that. Well, Kron told me yesterday that he's all for chaos. Well, that's so. the problem is that, that there could be too much chaos. Makes it more entertaining. It's going to be entertaining. That's uh, that's for sure. But make sure you listen in. Or, hey, come out to the Beer League game, Winsport Event Center. Six o'clock, doors open. You can come get some seats. Uh, concession's going to be open. They'll have lots going on. Uh, it's brought to you by our good friends at Tuxedo Source for Sports who uh, provided both teams with some awesome-looking jerseys. You can see a preview of them up on our social media pages at Sportsnet960, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, wherever you get your socials, so you can see a preview of uh, what the jerseys are going to be rocking on Thursday. And, uh, yes, our friends at Wild Rose Brewery helping us put on this awesome event and uh, the awesome after party that we'll have uh, Thursday to celebrate a Lush's victory.
Uh, we're wrapping up the show here on Sportsnet today. Uh, don't want to miss it. Coming up next, Haley Salvian's got uh, Hockey Central 960. She's got you for the next hour. Hockey PDO cast coming up at 3 o'clock. And then the later version of Sportsnet today as uh, Pat Steinberg is still wandering the streets of Las Vegas trying to pawn off items for any sort of gambling money that he could possibly uh, get. He hasn't returned to Calgary just yet. So Vickers and Klein have you this afternoon for uh, a later edition of Sportsnet today. Reiner, you can get the program wherever you get your podcast, Google, Amazon, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, and we will chat with you again tomorrow. Have a great afternoon. Hockey Central 960 is coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.